Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Game Time. Uh, I'm your host, Garrison Hardy, and with me, as always, the co-host and partner of this thing, Garrett Thigpen. Garrett, it's good to be back, brother. It is. It is. Time to uh, wrap up a little football and then uh, start talking about some basketball again. It's been a while since we talked about college basketball, but that's getting, uh, you know, conference play getting into full swing. I'm uh, ready to dive into that. Indeed. Yeah. Once uh, once conference hits in basketball, the energy just shifts and it's already January. I can't believe it. And March is right around the bend. And you know what time of year that is, folks. It's one of the best sporting events in the world March Madness, it's a ton of fun to watch, and that's why Garrett and I, you know, when we talked about launching this show, we wanted to, of course, have football, but with March Madness, I mean, I just think that that's one of the funnest things that we could ask to cover. So, looking forward to covering that, Uh, but before we do that, you know, we have some football news to wrap up, as uh, Garrett mentioned, and uh, Garrett, you know, let's just fire on through this thing, and we've got some you know, basketball news as well through this. But starting with the football side of things on the gridiron, Alabama, you know, they hired, they, they, Nick Saban retired, that is. And then, you know, they were pretty quick to move on to the next coach because you kind of have to in this new day and age of football. If you don't bring in a new coach, players are going to start leaving and they probably still will regardless as we've seen but Alabama went and hired Huskies coach Kalen DeBoer and before we get to the you know the news that I have listed here Garrett what do you think of the hire of Kalen DeBoer you and I talked about him as a possibility yeah I think it's a good hire um he's one of the five or six names that were um being thrown around and you know we talked about last week I thought Kalen DeBoer was the most likely just because some of the other names like Lane Kiffin, Sarkeesian, um, Dan Sweeney. Landing, those guys are already in really good spots. Right. And they have less incentive to leave. Kalen DeBoer it was in a perfect, cha- a, you know, a perfect opportunity. So much of the talent from last year was already leaving to the draft. And then, you know, they're switching conferences. Um, Washington, I think, is probably, in, you know, not positioned nearly as well as some of the other schools to succeed long term so i think it just made the most sense for kalen DeBoer specifically um but you know i don't know how many people they offered the job who i don't know if anyone actually turned it down maybe kalen was first on their list i don't know but um i think it made the most sense for him uh as opposed to the other coaches and i mean i think it's a good hire he's had a good track record um he doesn't have as much experience probably as some of the other coaches mentioned, but um, I think it's, uh, I mean, I think it's worth a shot. He's probably, probably the best option out there in my opinion that as far as all the coaches that would leave, um, I think he's, he's definitely one of the best. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think he's even a, a step down. You know, when I look at the other options, I, th- I think DeBoer's right up there as one of the best. And I mean, you, you know, we talk about his experience. He's, He's won everywhere he's been at every level. I mean, he's 102 and 24, if I'm not mistaken. So pretty darn good winning percentage. He's got an acumen for building a program and putting the right pieces together. And he obviously led with his offensive coordinator, who is also coming with him to Alabama. He led one of the best offenses we've seen in some time. And obviously 
you know, it, it kept it, he, that part of that equation is keeping those guys together on the field. And in this day and age where the transfer portal is a hot button issue and players can up and leave if they get the slightest whiff to better opportunities elsewhere. That's pretty impressive that he was able to keep the Huskies together like that and right. keep that build that culture. And now DeBoer faces an incredibly, I mean, in one sense, I Bama is a highly desired job, of course, with all the resources, the tradition and history. But on the other hand, you're following a legend and arguably the greatest coach to ever do it in the college football ranks. So I'm both happy for DeBoer, but also it's going to be tough. I mean, anything he does, fans, players, et cetera, are going to be comparing him to Saban. It just is what it is. That's the storyline. That's what we're going to be looking at. So in that sense, he's up against it. Um, But again, I still think fantastic coach has won everywhere it's been. I'm just going to be curious to see, you know, I wonder what your thoughts on this are, how forgiving people might be in Bama. Let's say they drop a game that they just shouldn't, that Bama normally doesn't. Do you think the fan base, the media, et cetera, the fire alarms are going to start going off? I don't think after, I mean, I think definitely will. Um, But I think, uh, I don't know. I think it should be expected. The SEC is going to be so difficult this year. There's Mm -hmm. so many good teams out there. They're losing a lot of talent. It's his first year. I'm not expecting, I mean, you know, maybe they can make the playoffs, but I'm not expecting a a perfect season or an 11 and one season. Even I, I expect them to lose a few games. And Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously we'll have to see how the transfer portal shakes out. It's, uh, you know, with the coaching change so recent, um, there's still a lot of players entering and a lot of players who could transfer to Alabama. So right. we'll have to see how that goes. But I think um, I think people will over overreact probably. You know, they're going to have the same expectation no matter what of, you know, 11 and one or better probably. Mm-hmm. And if they lose two or three games, I don't think it's a big deal. Some people might overreact, but, um, you know, I'd say he's probably got a season or two. Uh, I I don't know how long of a leash he'll have with, you know, the decision makers at Alabama. Right. Um, But I'd say at least a couple seasons to actually get his guys in. And, um, you know, again, you'll have to see how the transfer portal shakes out. If they lose a ton of players and get nobody, then uh, expectations will have to be a lot lower. But right. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not. I'm not as familiar with the Alabama. I mean, it's a, a little uncharted territory here, following up Saban. So right. we'll have to see how mm-hmm. they react. But, um, yeah, my expectations would be they should get a few losses. Uh, but yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if fans are calling for his job after after one or two losses. Right. Looking at their schedule here: Western Kentucky, USF, at Wisconsin. To me, those three are winnable. Well, of course, winnable, but I think they'll start 3-0. and Even if it's at Wisconsin, I think just the talent alone and the coaching, it'll be tough, But and that's a higher-profile game. But I think Bama can go get that done. Then they've got Georgia at Vanderbilt, South Carolina at Tennessee, Missouri at LSU, Mercer at Oklahoma, and Auburn. So like you said, the SEC has just gotten even tougher with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma. It's going to be interesting to see what Oklahoma's like next year with Brent Venables. We'll see what kind of 
team he's built since the kind of collapse of their season after that Texas win. Uh, we thought they were going to be elite, so next year we'll see. But, um, you know, just based on DeBoer's acumen and his ability to build a culture, I could very well see, like you said, Bama starting out going with twelve to uh, 11 to 12 wins. I don't think is out of earshot. So, but you mentioned the transfer portal, Garrett, and my gosh, Alabama has already lost a ton of talent in the transfer portal in the wake of Saban's retirement. And I mean, in one sense, I understand the players signed on to play for Saban. And then, you know, I I saw an example today of of one of the players who left. He signed on to play for Saban and then his position coach also left. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's uh, the the team that brought him in essentially is just gone. So I understand some of the players decision-making but man, a tough position for DeBoer. You know, his job just got a little bit harder. Yeah, I think it's uh, according to On Three, they've got 24 players in the transfer portal to leave. Ooh. Only three transfers in. Uh, so yeah, they're hurting. Uh, Caleb Downs, either yesterday or today, entered the portal. Um, you know, arguably their best player coming back next year was supposed to be. He um, was a freshman All American. He's leaving. And. They have a they do have a few good players coming back in. Um Damani Jackson from USC, uh Overton from Texas AM. But um yeah, I mean twenty four players in the portal already is not good. So Right. And I mean DeBoer's gonna you know, they're gonna be recruiting from the portal. Obviously they'll get more players in as time goes on, but yeah, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting. Obviously, recruiting wise, they're fine. They're gonna have pl- the talent to reload, but right. Um, I mean, when you're talking about competing at the top of the SEC with Georgia and Oklahoma and Texas, um, LSU, even it's uh, those fine margins are, uh, yeah, it might uh, it could be the difference maker. Yes, indeed. And uh, you know, you mentioned Caleb Downs. What <laughs> there's a video that was released today of after the SEC championship game, Kirby Smart running it looked pretty directed that he, he direct that he ran towards Caleb after the game to congratulate him and people of course were joking on social media you know how they are and just say oh oh he knew from the get-go that he wanted to pursue this guy so but of right. course how could he have known that Saban was going to retire you never know so and, yeah. but that's just kind of the new nature of college football now you're able to potentially offer more to a to a player at another program it's just crazy um and again you and i have talked that that we think this ultimately is a good thing for college football but uh i I also do think there are some things to iron out as football progresses and continues to evolve so um Mm. like isaiah bond for example uh, there's rumor that he was seen driving a lambo in austin texas and that was part of that yeah part of the reason he went to the texas longhorns like I don't know about you, Garrett, but as, as a coach, if I found out that's what got the player over to my team, I, I'd feel kind of icky. Uh, that maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm weird about this, but I just feel like, oh, uh, that's 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 how I got this guy. <laughs> it's a, it's totally. Yeah, new territory. I mean, it's just. It, I mean, that's just the. It's money at this. I mean, obviously, it's been, you know, no secret that payers are 
players are getting paid under the table before this, but right, now it's just, right. you know, it's plain and obvious, you know, players are going to go where they're going to be offered the most money. So if it's a Lamborghini or if it's uh, $300,000 cash, it's uh, right. Is what it is. So there's kind of the update for the Alabama Crimson Tide. They're, they're entering some unfamiliar waters. And um, it's going to be DeBoer's got DeBoer's up against it, but I think a, a lot, the general vibe around the program I've seen is positivity Even by the fans. He was greeted by a big crowd at the airport, all excited for him. Uh, the press conference, I think he handled it really well. Nick and Miss Terry were up in the front row, and it, I, I think you know he didn't. He the thing that stuck out to me too is he didn't say stuff like. You know, we're going to bring the change and the, you know, we're here are our new expectations. You can't say that with Nick Saban. I mean, you just can't. Uh, so mm-hmm. he just said, we're going to expect academic excellence, discipline, and uh, we're going to do it the right way. The, the gist of it, at least. So I think he handled it well. And I think DeBoer, you know, all things considered, he's he's got he's going to get the support he needs in order to make this happen. So. Uh, Garrett, anything to add before we jump to this next article here? Uh, I don't think so. I think we covered it all. Okay, so there's Alabama. But how about this? Cam Ward, he's off to the NFL, right? <laughs> Wrong. He is staying in college. Uh, he must have seen those draft rankings and realized, oh, I'm not a first-day guy. I'm going to be lower down the board. So Cam Ward is going to the U. And that could be the most important player on Mario Cristobal's roster. So a huge get for the Hurricanes. And suddenly, Garrett, I mean, Miami's looking like a potentially loaded team here coming in 2024. Yeah, they're going to be really strong. I mean, they already had a super talented team lined up for next year. And then, you know, getting a quarterback like Cam Ward was kind of the final piece. Um, I mean, yeah, their expectation is going to be winning the ACC, get into the playoffs. So and I think they can do that. I think they're a 10 win team. Uh, Cam Ward's a great quarterback. And we, we, you know, we were both, we talked about it when it happened, pretty surprised by his decision to go to the NFL. Right. He wasn't rated that high and it just seemed unnecessary because he was going to get so much money here. He's going to have a chance to improve and improve his draft stock and go in a, you know, avoid this quarterback class that's already so deep it just it didn't make sense to go to the nfl mm-hmm. uh from our perspective so and you know maybe something changed uh he got a better offer somewhere else from maybe miami offered him more i don't know how that works exactly but right um you know maybe something changed we don't know about but we don't know all the decision making that went behind the um either of those decisions really but i think this is you know from the outside looking in this is seems like a better move for him so right um yeah i'm excited to see miami next season they're gonna be really strong i i like when miami's successful right um mm-hmm. i'd like to see them uh come back to being nationally relevant um so yeah i think it's uh i think it's good for the acc good for college football in general so yeah i'm excited to see how uh how miami is next year 100 percent agree that's just one of those brands and you and i have talked about this off the air that the you, the iconic you, I mean, you've seen that 30 for 30. That is just, it, just in, synonymous with greatness in college football, not only in the 80s, the 90s, but in the early 2000s. The you was just such an elite program. And every year they're sending guys to the NFL. 
and some of the biggest names in the NFL came from that program. And so what a fall from grace, you know, after the early 2000s. It just kind of collapsed. And I think kind of mm-hmm. the nail in the coffin for that program. You remember that brawl that happened with FIU? That that to me was kind of the collapse of what the U had been all about in years past. Right, right. So fast forward to now. And, you know, Miami had had some decent teams sprinkled in here and there throughout, but they were never elite they would have some good wins. They'd finish with nine wins on the season, and that would, you know, pretty good, but mm-hmm. not to what we would expect or to what they're known for. So, like you said, to see them back in this conversation of a playoff team, I love it. And it's great to have Texas back. It's great to have Michigan win one, even though, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Asterisk, maybe. Uh, it, it's just right. the, this parody. I've I missed it. I think all of America missed it. It was Georgia or Alabama. Nobody wants that, uh, except Georgia or Alabama. But um, it's good to see this twelve-team playoff coming. We've got great program, or maybe not great programs, but really good programs popping up all over the country. And with this transfer portal, it, they now have the opportunity to maybe get some talent that they wouldn't get otherwise. So um, all that to say, I'm excited to see the U back in action. And hopefully they can actually, you know, maybe not fill the stadium, but get it more than halfway full. I mean, some of those games were embarrassing. That, that's just me. Yeah, no, I mean, they've, they're no, notoriously have a bad home environment. The, the stadium's in a bad place. It's not next to the campus or anything. So mm-hmm. um, they got a lot going against them. Team's been bad, but so yeah. much to do if, in Miami. Uh, I mean, if they're uh, you know competing for a playoff spot, um, who knows? Maybe they can get a a raucous atmosphere in there. And maybe if Crystal Ball is able to develop a program that's winning pretty you know ten wins plus every year, maybe they get some actual backing to get the get a home of their own. I would say. I would say that's ideal mm-hmm. personally. And obviously, that's going to take a lot for that to happen several years down the road, maybe. But with all the money being pumped into college football these days, you never know. So, anyways, that's the lookout on the U. But we brought out, we brought up the Huskies, of course, earlier as Kalen DeBoer, the former Huskies coach, moved to Alabama. The Huskies, they wasted no time in finding their next head coach. Former Arizona coach Jed Fish is now the head coach at the University of Washington. And Garrett, you know, for my for my spot, uh, I think, you know, all things considered, this was a pretty good hire. Yeah, I don't we don't know too much about uh Jed Fish. He's only been a head coach 4 years. Um really 3 yet. I mean, he had coached a couple games at UCLA, but right. he's been at Arizona for 3 years. And I heard to to jump in really here uh, really quick. I heard that in his 40, you know, he's 47 years old and he's been in eight he's had 18 jobs between the NFL and college football. That's a lot. That's a lot of moving around. Yeah. But he's the, obviously um, got the connections. Right, right, right. Yeah. And um I mean, as Arizona, I mean they they were 1 in 11 his first year and uh obviously turned it around went 10 and 3 this last year. Huge improvement. Um, but it's just not a huge record to go off of. But I think for a school like Washington, 
you know, that's kind of what they have to look for is someone on the up and up who, you know, they're going to give a chance to, to, uh, to make a name for themselves. Right. So, you know, I think, I think it's probably a good hire. Um, reminds me of Matt rule. That's kind of what Matt rule yeah. did before he jumped to the, to the NFL. He would go to, you know, went to temple struggled their first year and then, um, turned it around did the same thing to Baylor struggling program, turned them around in just a few years. So, um, yeah, maybe that's just a testament to how good he is at turning around a franchise as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one in 11 his first year and he's got Arizona as a great program now. So, right. um, you know, Washington, obviously they've had success recently, but you know, they're, uh, not in the best of spots now, uh, right. with their coach and a lot of players leaving, but, um, you know, maybe that's, uh, this, you know, a situation where they struggle and he's able to do the same thing he did at Arizona and build them into uh, a 10 win team. So, yeah, I think it's a I think that's a good hire for them. Definitely. You brought up the players that are leaving the Huskies. And this is as far as transfers go. They've lost Jabbar Muhammad, their best cornerback. He's entered the portal. Austin Mack. Uh, he's a, obviously the backup cornerback or quarterback. That is he's entered the portal. Uh, they, they've landed a couple. They've got BJ green from Arizona state. Who's a nice piece at defensive line, picked up an offensive tackle from San Diego state. Will Rogers. He went back into the portal just with the, you know, the coach uncertainty. Um, it, there is rumor that, uh, fish can bring in Arizona's quarterback who really took off last year in uh Fafita. And he had one of the best, runs I've seen in that short stint that we got so much so that uh, Jake De, uh, Delora or I'm not sure that's his first name but Delora he he was very understanding when he took the bench spot he's like hey he's playing great <laughs> I, I don't blame you so um, there is that potential chance there and then these guys who have entered the portal they could still come back in theory if Coach Fish is maybe able to win these guys over and say, hey, here's my plan for the future. Here's how we make this a, a success at Washington. And there is, you know, I, I would say there's more money involved at the University of Washington than maybe at Arizona. So probably the, the NIL, they, they do have a good NIL group representing the University of Washington. It's obviously not on par with, say, Alabama or Clemson or or maybe not Clemson, but, you know, the, the elite schools. <laughs> um, right, right. Texas, that would have been a better answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're not on par with that yet, and DeBoer said as much, which was maybe hinting at it. So, you know, but I, I think Fish could potentially make a nice intro into the first season. But he's got a lot of work to do, so we're just going to have to wait and see. But that is what's going on in the Northwest now. How about uh, how about up north with Big Blue? I mentioned them earlier, you know, when I threw out that asterisk. I know you like that, Garrett. But Jim Harbaugh, of course, he's taken some NFL job interviews recently. Today, I saw he was being interviewed by the Atlanta Falcons, and you know, he he wasn't uh, hiding this or anything. He he he's totally fine to take interview interviews if he wants and he still has Mm -hmm. one of the biggest extensions on the table at michigan if he wants he can still come back so 
there's there's that. But Garrett, just kind of what's your gut feel with Harbaugh? Do you think he, you know, should or will make the jump to the NFL? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I think he probably will. There's so many vacancies right now. Um, and I, I, I don't know if this is a, a fact or if this was just a rumor, but people were saying that Harbaugh was trying to get stuff in that contract extension that would protect him from some of the potent, you know, protect him from being fired based on some of the sanctions handed down by the NCAA mm. that are probably going to come in the future. So, um, yeah, I, I think, and I, I don't know if that's something that is even possible, but I just think with the, the looming sanctions and penalties that are going to be put on them, going out on a high note right now is probably the best thing for him. Mm. And yeah, I just, I think it would be the best decision. You know, obviously we don't know anything about what he wants or how he's feeling, but if it were me, that's, I think this is the perfect opportunity to, to jump to the NFL. So that would be my prediction. Right. And that's, that's a fair, a fair shake on the flip side though. Let me throw this out. Michigan, I think is set up to not replicate what they did last year, obviously, but they they haven't lost any transfers. In fact, they've landed some pretty solid transfers, uh, one from Maryland in uh, Jashan Barham, who's uh, one of the best linebackers, a four-star linebacker, goes from Maryland to Michigan. They got a solid tackle from Northwestern coming in, and you know, so they have they haven't really lost anybody. And then recruiting-wise, there's another top 15 class set to come in and with 27 commits. So Michigan has already established themselves as one of the premier development programs in the country. And Harbaugh obviously knows how to do that. He's turned these three, you know, three and four-star guys into NFL top talent. So on that end, yeah. if he, the Michigan man, as he says, if he, he's set to premiere to, you know, just keep that rolling. The question that I would ask is, does he want to deal with this NCAA bureaucracy? I mean, not only is he being hammered for the big, you know, scandal that you and I have talked about at length, but now they're coming after him for the dead period scandal of giving a, a, a recruit a hot dog Meanwhile, Harbaugh's sitting here looking around at this Lamborghini being driven around down at Texas. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, if I'm Harbaugh, I totally understand leaving for the NFL. All that to say, so understandable. So, but the problem with Michigan is that a lot of their guys didn't transfer out, but they're leaving because they're seniors. Right, or they're going right. to the draft, so they do lose a lot um, from this last year's team. So I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they, they fare next year with, uh, cause experience was their biggest asset. I think this year, and I don't, I don't think they're going to have that as much next year. Oh, so, for, for I sure. Know. I suppose I would say a development program like Michigan is more able to, uh, handle the big losses because, you know, you're not looking at all these transfers necessarily, coming in and out to, right. oh now I got to fill this I wasn't expecting that Michigan just got a solid program and they turn decent players into elite players and um, so maybe they're not thrown about quite as much as some of some of the other programs around the country but right. again Harbo's got some decisions to make and he's got plenty of uh 
opportunities elsewhere. So, gut reaction time. I feel like we can jump right into this one, actually. The Washington Huskies will not be a top six team in the new Big Ten next year. Now, obviously, a lot of this depends on what Coach Fish is able to do this offseason. Like, maybe he has one of the best offseasons out there and just brings in a, a ton of fantastic transfers. He's able to bring back the guys who have transferred out at the moment, and suddenly he just builds a fantastic team. Maybe he's able to do that. Then maybe the Huskies maybe. go to the top six. But they they lost pretty much everybody from that offense that you and I talked about all season. And uh, looking at the Big Ten, it's getting better. It's getting more competitive. I don't know, Garrett. I don't know that the Huskies will be a top six team in the new Big Ten next year. And this is obviously a way too early prediction. But I would tend to, if I had to put my money on one one of the two, I would say they won't be. Hmm. I would have to disagree. I think they will will be a top six team. I I think it would be close. Um, Obviously, you've got like Ohio State, Michigan, um, Penn State, Oregon. Uh, But after that, I just don't think there's there's not many teams that scare me in the Big Ten that I would think. Yeah, I'm pretty confident putting them ahead of Washington. So Mm -hmm. I'd put Washington probably in that five to six range, but I'd take that over them finishing you know, outside of the top six. Okay. Okay. Well, let's look at the Husky schedule. They've got Northwestern. They've got Rutgers, two programs. See, even Rutgers, don't get me wrong. I don't think Rutgers would, I would put them ahead of Washington, but they had a solid, a pretty solid season last year. And, you know, at one point, weren't they six and one, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, it started off like five and one or, th- or so. Something like that before reality maybe came back in. And they've got Shiano back there, you know. So um, Iowa, that, I mean, that's a team right there that no, I don't care who you are. Yes, we make fun of them for their lack of offense, but nobody wants to play at Iowa in that environment at Kennewick Stadium. Just, just brutal. Indiana's going to be a little bit better. They got the, they brought in a new coach from James Madison who's going to who knows how to build programs, who knows how to establish a winning culture. Uh they've got they've still got and then they've got Michigan on the schedule. They've got USC on the schedule. They've got Penn State on the schedule, UCLA and Oregon. And they have to travel in the, they I think the Huskies have to travel more than any other team in the country next year. All of this with a new head coach and a ton of transfers, and a ton of players leaving. So that's kind of my reason for putting them maybe towards the middle of the pack, back end. Right. That's fair. I just think they're still a very talented team, even with some of the players that they've lost. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, they were just so far ahead of everyone that we would be talking about, like Rutgers, like those middle-of-the-pack Big Ten teams. I think they can, you know, they can lose a ton of players, and they're still a better uh better setup than a lot of those schools but it's true yeah we'll see and uh, yeah like you said it depends on some of the people that uh fish brings in right uh you know maybe they bring in fafita and everything uh everything changes for them right back up yeah we'll see i i I just i I like them a lot more than some of the middling big 10 teams okay okay you heard it here first folks when next football season comes around y'all can make fun of me for that one (laughs) all right let's shift gears now 
to basketball. We haven't touched basketball since that first intro show. A, a whole with a tip-off classic, we called it something like that. And we, you know, we kind of went through some of our gut predictions for the season, and one of them kind of has blown up in our face. <laughs> but uh, let's start with here's another gut reaction, Garrett. Arizona basketball is overrated. Now, uh, you know, that that's probably could be an overreaction on my end. But as a Washington State fan who watched the Cougs take down Arizona by a score of 73 to 70 here in Pullman, Washington, uh, that, that got me wondering, is Arizona overrated? I don't know, Garrett. What's your gut reaction upon hearing that? I don't I don't really think so. They're ranked 12th. Um, I mean, they've beaten some good teams this year. Um, they beat Duke early in the season at Cameron Indoor. That's mm. a really impressive win. Um, Michigan State obviously isn't what they used to be. Uh, not or they're not what they thought. Not what we thought they would be. Right. Uh, beat Wisconsin, and then you look at their losses. They lost by one point to a really solid FAU team. Uh, they lost by eight mm-hmm. to Purdue. Um, you know, the 12 and four on the season. I think that there's still a really solid team. They got a lot of talent. Caleb Love can win you any game. Uh, he can lose you any game, but he, he can, uh, he can go out there and win you a game. Um, and so at, at, you're an ACC guy. You saw him out at North Carolina. I got to say, he just seems a little more disciplined at Arizona. Like he's more of a floor general. Have you kind of noticed that in his gameplay this year? Yeah, it seems like he's playing a little more. He's a little more cautious. He's not taking as I would say, not as uh, reckless. Not taking as many bad shots as he did last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, his shooting numbers are up across the board. So, um, yeah, he's probably learned a little bit from that. Uh, I mean, he played a huge role in the UNC's tournament run, right? And the, you know, they wouldn't have gotten where they where they did without him just, you know, shooting, uh, making threes from five foot five feet behind the 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 line. But right. Um, yeah, he's playing a little more disciplined, and I think that's uh, a, an, an improvement to uh, to his game. So, yeah, you know, I think they're ranked 12th right now. I think that's a, an, a fair spot to put them. I don't think they're among, you know, some of the elite teams. Sure. Uh, I wouldn't say they're in the top five or six, but around that top 10 range, I think is fine for them. I think there's, you know, they, they've proved it uh, with the win at Duke and a, a pretty solid 12-4. and four. Um Tough losses against really tough teams, so um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's appropriate for them. And see, I would I would tend to agree with that. In that, college basketball is so volatile as far as rankings, as far as you know, fake power rankings that people put out. Things can just change on a dime in the game of basketball, and anybody can beat anybody on any given night. You know, you and I have talked right. to, talked about this off the show where there's just a difference between football and basketball. If Alabama or Georgia lost to, say, Samford on a given Saturday, that would probably be, you know, the sky is falling. What the heck was that? Un- absolutely unheard of. Whereas in basketball, you know, if I told you that UConn just lost to Samford, you'd probably be like, well, that's kind of college basketball. That's the way the ball bounces sometimes. It's just... Right. It, it, athletically speaking, a one-star defensive lineman is not going to hold up against a five-star offensive tackle. Uh, you know, over, generally speaking, they're going to be much bigger, more physical, more dominant. 
and in a game like football where you're allowed to use your body as a human missile, essentially, that adds up <laughs> right. a little bit more. Whereas in basketball, you know, when we saw Purdue lose in the first round of the tournament last year to a team that did not have the size of a Zach Eady on the inside, they just swarmed. Not him. even close. It, not even close. Not at all. But basically a bunch of guards running around. And they were still able to pretty much dominate Purdue in that game just because they were hot shooting and they were they went in with a game plan to basically swarm Edie in the paint. And they made up for it. They made up for that lack of size there. So in, in any case, uh, I don't think Arizona's overrated. There's going to be times where you drop a game here and there in basketball. And I don't think the fans down in Tucson have anything to be freaking out about. Now, are they a deep tournament run team? That remains to be seen. That's a totally different conversation. But for Pac-12 play especially, I think they're going to be fine. And, you know, as the Pac-12 tournament rolls around, they'll probably make a deep run there. And then we'll be talking about how Arizona's a one or a two seed in the big dance. So that's kind of my overall thought there. Um, Any other thoughts on Arizona, Garrett? We good to move on? I think we're good. Here's one for you. Tom Izzo should hang up his shoes. And this ties into one of the storylines that I wanted us to cover regarding college basketball. What happened to Michigan State, Garrett? They were ranked fourth in the original AP poll for this season. And here they are, 10-7. and seven. They just don't look good. It's been a horrible start for Izzo and, the, and Sparty. Which I mean, hey, Nick Saban just hang up his shoes. Uh, maybe it's time for uh, for old Izzo to do the same. Yeah, it wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, you know, they've really struggled the last few seasons. They've been very disappointing. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think Izzo's still a great coach, and if he wanted to keep coaching, uh, I'm sure Michigan State would be fine with that. Um, I mean, the big it's it's tough because the Big Ten right now is so there's so much parity in it, right? And it's hard to really get out ahead. Uh, it's just very deep and very everything's very even. So you know, you see teams last season they're going like, uh, you know, twelve and eight, eleven and nine. They're still a tournament team. So it's uh, it's tough to say. This is definitely a disappointing year. Uh, we had higher expectations for them, for sure. I, I predicted they would win the Big Ten, and mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. I don't know, they just really struggled. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it's. I wouldn't overreact to the point where it's like, okay, Izzo needs to go. This is uh yeah, this is his fault. But, um, yeah, definitely really disappointing for them. And and you know, the last few three or four years have um, been a real struggle for them. It's it's come to the point where, you know, they would go for every every few seasons they would have a down year, mm-hmm. but uh, these last you know going on four seasons in a row now they haven't really had that uh, elite program. Right, they've been kind of a hoping to get into the tournament team, and so. But then when they would do say, get in the tournament, they suddenly pull off an elite eight, final four run. It's like what the right. <laughs> Right, exactly. And it's just like, okay, you know we have Tom Izzo, and they're going to be a tough out no matter what, even if they're coming in as an eight seed. Right. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a Tom Izzo thing. I mean, if he wanted to give it up because he's just tired of it, then that's one thing. But I don't think it's one where it's like Michigan State fans need to be thinking, all right, we need to move on. Right. 
And I'm I'm inclined to agree with you, especially somebody of his stature. I mean, he it, he's synonymous with Michigan State. When you think Michigan State basketball, that green helmet logo, you think Tom Izzo. And he's done some phenomenal things for the program over the years. And he's had some elite talent, some elite teams. And, you know, he, like you said, he's a guy who in the tournament, I will purposely pick Michigan State to go to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8 just because I'm so used to picking against them, only for them to rip off an incredible run in the tournament. And then all you can do is shrug your shoulders and go, well, there's Tom Izzo. I mean, what do you expect? So, you know, I, I'm certainly not in the mindset that Michigan State has to move on. I'm more of the mindset of Tom Izzo's been doing this a long time. He's one of the old traditional coaches. It's a new era of college athletics. You know, new. he's got to deal with this NIL, this transfer portal, which I can only imagine for basketball is probably even more exhausting because losing a transfer in football, yeah, that's tough, depending on their skill level and position. But in basketball... You lose a transfer. I mean, that's a rotation piece right there. I mean, that you've only got twelve to fifteen guys potentially on that bench, and you know, depending on his skill level or involvement within the offense or defense, ouch, that's a big hole. I got to figure out how to you know plug in here. And now there's so many programs across the country that you can maybe choose from to fill that need, but still, nonetheless, there's just. So much extra stuff that coaches who have been doing this a long time don't have to deal with or didn't have to deal with. I mean, look at Coach Krzyzewski. I think he saw the writing on the wall and he thought, yeah, you know, I don't want to deal with this one and done, uh, this old one and done transfer portal NIL stuff. I'm out of here. Um, Roy Williams, I think he got out of there at, you know, similar timing and whatnot. So right. I don't know. That It's just maybe, uh, a gut feeling that a coach like him won't want to deal with this stuff, but we're just going to have to now, wait they, and see if they miss the tournament this year, then maybe the conversation could be had, but uh, right. I think as long as they're making the tournament, uh, he's still got a couple of years left to write the ship, so to speak, and have or have a, another great season uh, to go out on maybe potentially. But, right. Yeah. I don't, I, I would say if there, as long as they make the tournament this season, uh, I think he's earned himself another another year. Yeah, definitely. So there's Michigan State. What what's happening up in Sparty? And uh, you mentioned the Big Ten. There's a lot of parity there. Uh, honestly, right now, Garrett, just as I, just kind of as a wide sweeping view of college basketball in general, there seems to be a lot of parity this season. I mean, I look at the top twenty five. There are a, some pretty fantastic teams on this list and all of them the, the most losses on this lift list is actually Marquette with five sitting at 11 and five and they've by the way they were kind of picked as a top five program coming into this season and that's not necessarily an indictment against them they've played some incredibly difficult competition this year and they've also got some really good wins so uh they, again that's just the nature of basketball they they fall into 17th on this top 25 list but there's a lot of teams on here, Garrett, that I look at and think, oh, yeah, they, they could potentially make a deep run. So as we look at the top 25 or just college basketball in general, have there been have been have there been any teams that have kind of jumped out to you as, you know, a team to keep an eye on moving forward? Um, 
I don't know. Florida Atlantic is a really interesting team. You're, you're talking just the top 25 in general. Oh, for sure. Just or just college basketball okay. in general. Yeah. Uh, okay. Florida Atlantic, like you said, that that was one I was going to bring up. Yeah, Florida Atlantic. They're a really interesting team. Um, I've been paying attention to them just because uh, I watched uh, Liberty play against them earlier in the season, and I thought about um, at the time. You know, Liberty's had a lot of. Uh, they've been pretty dominant in basketball the last few years, um, consistently making the tournament. Uh, we missed it last year, but um, we've always had a really strong program, dominate the conference we're in, and you know, kind of fringe on competing with some of the top teams, Power Five schools. But um, I was thinking, you know, this would be a really good test, and we just got blown out by Florida Atlantic. It was just, it was just not even close. Hmm. Um, and I was thinking, man, these guys are just on another level, and it is what it is. And then uh, a couple weeks later, Florida Atlantic, I see, goes and loses to. UNC Charlotte, a team right. that Liberty smacked early in the season. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, how does that happen? And you see that with uh with Florida Atlantic. I mean, they they beat Arizona, they beat Texas AM, right, uh, Butler, and uh, you know, they're they've got a 13 and 4 record, but then they go and lose to UNC Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They lose to Florida Gulf Coast. I mean, they just they lost to Bryant earlier in the season, too. Right. I mean, and, and Bryant stinks. So I don't know <laughs> what this this team is. They're just so up and down. Beat anybody, but they can lose to anybody too. So yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's uh, they're a really interesting team. I think they can. They're one of those teams that they're probably gonna underperform, I guess, in the regular season from what they're capable of. But you, but they're a team that in the tournament you never know what they can do. Um, I could see them making a huge run again like they did last year. So, yeah, they're a, they're a team that I've been interested to watch this season. Right. I suppose a team that I'm kind of int- been keeping my on, eye on is Memphis, actually. Uh, Memphis with Penny Hardaway. I mean, just a, a great basketball name to begin with. And, you know, when you want to look for a player's coach, look no further than play, like Penny Hardaway. There, there's a guy that the guy the players will listen to. In theory, at least, but Memphis is off to a you know a great start at fifteen and two this season, and they've had some fantastic games as well throughout the season. Um, they have a fantastic team overall, and that's why they're ranked you know obviously in the top ten in the country now. And they, you know, similar to what you to what you they've beaten some big teams like Virginia, like Clemson, Texas A&M. They lost a tough one to Ole Miss, but that was a great game overall. And you know, I, I just think uh I think Memphis could be a team tournament-wise. You look at the wing play, the guard play that they have out top and the elite athletes that they have on the court. I think uh, Memphis, it's kind of giving me throwback vibes to Derrick Rose to, uh, you know, that team that they were able to make that deep tournament run and end up losing a close one to Kansas. They would just make a couple of free throws here and there. But uh, this this Memphis team has been really fun to watch and, you know, a, a team to keep an eye on. And they actually do play Florida Atlantic. Uh, you brought Florida Atlantic up. They play them later this year. February 25th and if I'm not mistaken have they already played this year 
I feel like no, maybe not. They, they play twice right at the end of the year. Okay, okay, that was in. They, uh, they finished yeah. the season against them as well. Yeah, they lost to Florida Atlantic in the first round of last year's tournament, sixty-six to sixty-five. By the way, and then um, so. Anyways, Memphis was a team that jumps out to me. And then maybe on the reverse, a team that also jumps out to me. I was so high on Texas A&M. And here they are at mm, seven and four. Yeah. Well, what the heck happened to them? They, they've just kind of come out of the gate with a face plant. And they've, you know, they've barely beaten teams like Ohio State. Ohio State isn't what they used to be. They scraped by Earl Roberts. They they lost to Florida Atlantic, which certainly is nothing to cry about. They lose to Virginia in kind of that was just a tough game to watch. I mean, forty seven points. That's a kind of a prototypical Tony yeah. Bennett game. And this is a not a, the Virginia teams of old. This is right a very mediocre Virginia team this year. Exactly. Um. So yeah, just losing to LSU, losing to Arkansas, and don't get me wrong, Arkansas. They're kind of a program that always has just these really physical, athletic teams. So, any any case, I would say Texas A and M was kind of a disappointment with regards to what I was thinking early on in the season. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Had definitely had higher expectations for them, and yeah, they've had a brutal schedule. Um, they've had to play a lot of tough teams, but still, like you mentioned, losing. I mean, losing to a team like Virginia. Uh, not a great sign. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to look at some of their losses. I mean, Florida Atlantic, Memphis, Houston, Auburn, Arkansas. I mean, those are really solid teams making up five of their losses. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see if they can make a run um, against uh, some of the SEC competition, which, you know, the SEC is pretty tough this year, but, um, you know, there's still time to turn it around and be. They could still definitely be a tournament team, but right. Um, yeah, tough. A tough last couple months for them, for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, we feel like we got to talk about Gonzaga. I mean, mm. they're off to a pretty rough start. I mean, you had mentioned that they're they're in danger of potentially missing the tournament with under Mark Few. That's unheard of. Yeah, Mark Few. I mean, he took over in '99. And they've never missed the tournament under him, obviously, other than the COVID year. But, um, yeah, I mean, this could be the first time they obviously they can win the win the conference tournament and, and nothing matters. They'll be in. But uh, right now, I think Lunardi's got them, if I'm not mistaken, he's got them as his uh, first team out. So they're not looking at the moment like an at large team. So, um, yeah, dangerous territory for for Gonzaga. It's been a while since we've seen them like this uh last time that they made it in in this fashion probably uh 2015 they were an 11 seed but since then they've always been a top four seed so yeah um not what we expected from them i mean personally before the season i was not expecting that much out of gonzaga um i kind of thought that they were going to be one of those I didn't think they were going to be a, a top four seed like we've seen, but I did expect them to be a little better than they have been. Um, you know, some of the losses like Washington, um, San Diego State, they just lost to Santa Clara. Uh, this just isn't the same Gonzaga team uh, we've, we're used to seeing that's just so consistent and, you know, takes care of business, especially in their conference. 
you know, we'll, we'll see. There's still a lot of conference play left. They could run the table and have a crazy conference record. Like, you know, they could go, you know, 17 and one and right. they're back to being a top four seed. But, uh, you know, yeah, th- this is the easiest part of their schedule coming up, but having five losses already is not like them. And then, right. but you know, sandwiched in their conference schedule, they got a, a game at Kentucky later in the year in February. So that'll be a good barometer. Maybe if they string together a bunch of wins, you know, they'll get a, a, a chance at redemption and then the, in the public side to see, okay, is this a good Zaga team actually, uh, legit or are they just, you know, beating up on poor competition? So, right. Yeah, we'll probably have to wait till that Kentucky game to really get a good a good sense of where they're at come come tourney time. Okay, folks. Well, you heard it here. Keep an eye on Gonzaga. That's that's just shocking to think about. But it, I I tend to I tend to lean again. He's fused in the the category of Izzo. I would say to where you know the ship's going to be righted eventually. They haven't been playing great ball. They've got some tough losses on there to teams who they probably should have beaten, especially the Hus- Washington Huskies, in my opinion. Um, but all that being said, they do play in the WCC. If there was a conference you would want to write the ship in, it's probably the WCC. So <laughs> I, I think uh, I think in the long run, Gonzaga should be fine. St. Mary's has always given them trouble, even when they're highly under-talented compared to Gonzaga. So I think those are games to always circle. But nonetheless, we shall see what Coach View cooks up. Um, a- another team maybe to keep an eye on, Marquette. They're 12-5. and five, And I, I again, I don't necessarily hold this against Marquette entirely because they have some great wins. But they also have some losses that I'm kind of scratching my head on, like Seton Hall, Wisconsin. And don't get me wrong, Wisconsin's you know ranked in the top 25. But uh, I would certainly ex- expect them to win. They lost to Purdue in a really close one. But they've also got some great wins. You know, they beat Illinois. Uh, they beat Texas. They uh, took down Creighton in a good one. They beat Villanova, who's a Kansas. solid team. Kansas. I mean, Kansas. Hey. So... Yeah, and they beat them pretty handily too, seventy-three to fifty-nine. So, uh, I, what are what's kind of your overall thought with Marquette? Yeah, is kind of kind of a thing. They'll be fine. Don't don't hold this too much against them. Yeah, I think that it's like we've said for so many teams already. Um, every team's going to lose games, and you can always point to a few and be like, "Wow, how'd they lose that game?" But at the end of the day, they're playing so many. They play so many games and they've had a really tough schedule they're gonna drop some games it it is what it is i think you know we'll have to see how they do in conference play they get a lot conference plays generally gonna be a little easier probably than their non-conference has been um i mean like you said they had to play kansas purdue texas illinois um you know they've got a easier stretch of games coming up this next month so the They'll have a really good opportunity to write the ship and uh, improve the overall record. But um, yeah, I think it's 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 like we said for mo- many of these teams. There's a lot of parity. Anybody can beat anybody. Um, and you know, some of these teams are pretty solid. Seton Hall. I mean, they're six and one in the conference, thirteen and five overall. They're not a terrible team, right? Um, Wisconsin and Purdue. Like some of these teams they're losing to are. I mean, they're good teams. It's it's going to happen. So uh, I think there's plenty of time for Marquette, and I'm not. You know, I'm not writing them off just yet. I'm not going to put them in. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, 
I really liked them at the beginning of the season. Uh, I thought they would be better than they are so far, but it's it's nothing to panic on for me. Um, the Butler loss recently is definitely a little bit worrying, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I said, plenty of very, a lot of winnable games coming up that'll uh, if they can run the table and you know string together six or seven wins in a row before that UConn game, um, you know I'll I'll feel pretty I'll feel plenty confident in Marquette that indeed and plus their play style is so fun to watch i also know they've been kind of dealing with an injury Mm -hmm. issue lately uh, on their roster so when they get back to full rotation they get back to that pressing high-flying style that shaka smart likes to have uh marquette gonna be a tough out yeah and they they have such great guard play with cam jones and Colick that you know they're a team that i'm always going to be confident come tournament time to to make a deep run so yeah i still like marquette you know while we're kind of overlooking college basketball here, let's go out to ACC country, Garrett. I mean, that that's kind of your turf. You've been, you know, you're in more of that setting and able to kind of keep your ear to the pavement and whatnot. Uh, of course, of course. As you look at the ACC and the landscape there, you know, the Big Ten kind of has this mantra of the the land of the big men. Well, the ACC is not so bad, too. I mean, you've got Filipowski at Duke. You got uh, Baycott at North Carolina, Clemson. They've got some fantastic size. Uh, it, and, and obviously, you don't have to focus on just the big men and whatnot. But what's your overall kind of thoughts on the ACC conference this year? I noticed NC State. They're doing pretty well, by the way. NC State's been really solid. Uh, 13-4, 5-1. Lost to UNC recently, so we're uh, behind them. But number two is not bad. Uh, you got UNC State and Duke as top three teams in the ACC right now, as the founding fathers intended. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that Duke and UNC have definitely cemented themselves as the top two teams in the conference. UNC, I think, has proven that they're pretty they're a they're a for real team. Mm-hmm. Um, their only losses this year have been to uh, Villanova, Kentucky, and UConn, and you know they've. Yeah, they've beaten up on pretty much everyone else. So I think UNC is a very good team. Um, they would, I think, if I remember, I can't remember exactly who I picked. I think they might have been my pick to win the, uh, to win the ACC, but mm-hmm. either way. Um, and then Duke as well. Duke was a little bit shaky earlier in the season. They lost that one game to, to Arizona at the beginning, and then they had a couple, a couple losses to Arkansas and Georgia Tech that were a little bit worrying, but... Uh, since then they've been firing on all cylinders and you know they appear to be uh back on track as a dominant top 10 team so um yeah i mean the unc duke rivalry is shaping up to be back this year right um i'm excited for those matchups and nc state you know we're ahead of duke technically in the rankings um we have one more win than them, but I, it's a little tough for NC state. I don't think we're as good as that number two spot really would indicate because we just haven't beaten anybody good. All the good teams we play, we lose to, um, you know, basically, I mean, the two best teams we played are Tennessee and UNC. Both Mm -hmm. those we lost by nine and 13 points. It's just, yeah, all the teams we've beaten have been pretty mediocre. So, right. I, I think we'll be good enough that we can make the tournament, but uh, I don't see us staying as a top 
top two or three team in the ACC. Miami's been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, mm. We talked about them early in the season as being a top four team. They still might be, uh, but they've had a couple bad losses recently, like Louisville. Uh, I mean, Louisville is just terrible. So anyone losing right. to them, that's going to be that's gonna be rough. So, <laughs> um, and then we talked about Virginia already as you know they've been a staple in the ACC for a long time now under Tony Bennett, but they just lost too much. They don't have the talent this year. Um, right. Uh, watching him play against NC State, they just looked so lost out there. And they weren't able to defend the way that they normally do. And so, I mean, their defense overall is still pretty solid. But, yeah, they just don't have the – I don't think they have the talent this year to really compete for – I don't think they can compete to the ACC. Maybe they're still a tournament team, but they just look very, very average out there. So. Right. Um, you know, they've they're coming off back to back losses. They're I believe they're playing Virginia Tech right now. They're in a tight one. So hopefully they don't make it three in a row, but yeah, so um but I think that overall I think the ACC is just kind of a two man race. Uh, that would be my prediction coming down to who wins it. Just UNC and Duke. UNC and Duke. And yeah, I think uh, I remember on the show we discussed college basketball earlier this year or last year that is. We you had kind of broken the ACC down into tier levels. You had Duke maybe by themselves, UNC close second behind them, and then there was kind of this cluster in the third tier underneath that. And you know, it seems as though to me, Duke, UNC fighting in that top tier, NC State right in that second tier. Kind of there seems to be some separation going on there. So going to be interesting to see yeah. what uh, happens in the ACC going forward let's see here uh i feel like we may as well shift to my area of expertise now so to speak your neck of the woods up there my neck of the woods we got to talk about the pac-12 the last year of this iteration of the pac-12 at least and early in this season like you i'd kind of broken it down into a couple of tiers i you had arizona at the very top and then i thought you know colorado oregon usc ucla would be in that second tier. Uh, and that has not happened at all. As I look at this conference list here, uh, Oregon has really jumped out and had a fantastic start to the season. I would still say, despite a couple of hiccups here for Arizona, they're right up there with Air- with Oregon, that is. Uh, Oregon's 13-3 and right now on the season. 9-0 and at home. Three, uh, they've got a six-game winning streak that is i think the only losses have happened at neutral site games for oregon if i'm not mistaken and they've just uh, they always are a tough out and uh, i'm really impressed by some of the guys on that team and jermaine kuznard uh they have brennan rigsby who's always a solid contributor jackson shellstad and then uh, Cario Oquendo. those guys are a really solid rotation for the ducks and is uh, a big reason as to why they've gotten out to this hot start. So, and Oregon's just always able to recruit enough talent to, uh, even if they're not going to win the Pac-12, they're going to have some guys. They're going to have some ballers. And uh, uh, Oregon has set themselves up for a good tournament run here. If you want to talk about disappointment, look no further than the two LA schools, in my opinion, USC and UCLA. I'll start with USC. USC brings in, you know, some 
big time recruits to their squad. It's some they've got some freshman talent that you would think they would be able to use a little bit more effectively, especially in the names, you know, Boogie Ellis, Isaiah Collier. Those guys are are ballers in their own right. Uh, they also bring in a solid contributor in DJ Rodman, who, you know, was a former Washington State player. And I just, I guess I was expecting a little bit more from this Trojans team. They also have uh, some guy named Bronny James, by the way. And we, seeing as we're talking about USC here, we can bring this up. Uh, it, huh. What uh, what do you think of old Bronny James' performance thus far this year, Garrett? Uh, is this kind of on par with what people, you know, what, what we should be expecting? Or is he just a massive disappointment? I think it's too early to say, especially, I mean, for one, well, being a freshman no, <laughs> um, and you're only halfway into the season. And then, you know, obviously the the heart issues, you had to be away during a pretty crucial time preparing for the season. So uh, a likely excuse. No, yeah, I'm kidding. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um Yeah, I think that it's still too early to really know anything about how he's going to play. I think he just made his first start um, very recently. But yeah, he hasn't looked great. But I think, you know, there's he's still got a lot of uh, a lot of learning to do. And yeah, so it's way too early. Um, I think he's he's probably played less than maybe maybe 10 games this year. Right. Uh, And he's coming off the bench playing like, I don't know, 15 minutes a game or so. So yeah, it's a little it was a little early to tell, but definitely hasn't lit it on fire. He had one good game where he had fifteen, sixteen points, something like that. But um yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm excited. I hope he does well. But right. um yeah, the team as a whole is really struggling. So that yeah. doesn't help that he's yeah. gotta go into a situation like they're in. But uh yeah, it was just uh, time will tell. Time will time tell. Time will. And uh, honestly, I kind of got to point the finger a little bit at LeBron. It just it, he put quite a lot of pressure and a target on Bronny James back by saying, and I quote, "He could play for the Lakers right now." <laughs> and I'm just like, no, don't say that. Like, can't you just let your? And I know LeBron. LeBron's a great dad, so I'm not trying to, you know, suggest that he's not. But can't you just let your your kids already got a big target on his back? He's already compared to you in every way. And same thing happened to Michael Jordan's kids. You know, when they were when he, I think one of them was playing for UCF. And there, any any time he touched the ball, the cameras were on him. Oh, there's Michael Jordan's kid. And uh, so I think Bronny already has a ton of pressure on him. He has that heart issue that you mentioned. And he, like you said, he's coming off the bench. It's tough to get your rhythm sometimes in that situation. And USC is eight and nine on the season at the moment. So some tumultuous times as a basketball player. And then your dad says, yeah, he could play for the Lakers. And then you go out and <laughs> score zero points in a Pac-12 game. Yeah, It's just, uh, you know, why, why heap all that pressure onto Bronny right. by saying that. that that's just my take there yeah no I, I definitely get where you're uh coming from i mean you always want to have uh you know you know instill confidence in your kids and you For know sure i think everyone wants to say oh yeah they they're the best they're gonna they're gonna be uh the best ever but obviously you gotta when you're in this position that lebron's in uh sometimes you gotta be 
careful about that. Maybe not the best thing to say, but uh, I'm sure. I'm sure you know the life that Bronny's probably lived up to this point. He's probably heard it all, right? And it's it's nothing new to him at this point. So yeah, he's just got to go out there and do it. But yeah, we'll we'll see. But hey, to LeBron's point, maybe he's right. The Lakers are twenty and twenty-one at the moment, and uh... <laughs> true, they could, they could use a lot of they could lose any help they can get. That's right. Maybe, anyway, maybe Bronny is a, a water boy with a uh, help the team. Oh goodness, you know there's there's always a place. So in any case, the, so that's USC, but UCLA. What the heck has happened to UCLA? You remember that COVID tournament, Garrett? That really weird COVID tournament where. UCLA made a run to the Final Four. They beat Michigan to get to the Final Four, if I'm not mistaken. Looked great doing it, and that was a Michigan team that you know was loaded with talent. They frankly made Michigan look mediocre in that tournament. And you know UCLA the next year, everybody was anticipating, well, wow, this this is just a uh, this UCLA team just going to get better and better. And I think they had a solid year last year, but this year. Uh, what the heck is going on? <laughs> like UC- UCLA just lost to Utah uh, on January 11th, 90 to 44. Uh, they did beat the Huskies to uh, you know get back in the winning direction, but it's not like Utah is this elite talent here. And UCLA sits at eight and ten, and they had that they have Coach uh, Cronin from Cincinnati who just has this brand of hard nosed basketball. And it just seemed like UCLA was on the up and up as a program. So what uh, what's going on with UCLA in your mind, Garrett? Uh, to me, this is just not a good look. And UCLA, as a basketball name, I mean, they, they should always be competing big time as a program. So that that's just kind of my gut take there. What are your thoughts on UCLA as a whole? Yeah, I mean, obviously they've been uh, a great program as of late. Uh, last year, they were one of the best teams in the country. I thought um, great regular season record went twenty nine and five, eighteen and two in conference play. Um, lost to Gonzaga in the Sweet Sixteen in a thriller of a game, seventy nine seventy six. But I think they just lost too much from last year's team, and they weren't able to reload the talent and. That's pretty much the the story of their season. I mean, uh, they lost a lot of guys, but mainly Jaime Hawkes, uh, obviously their best player last year. Right. He's in the NBA now. Been a great rookie season. Um, I mean, he was their leading scorer and leading rebounder last year, averaging eighteen and eight. So I think at the end of the day, they just they lost a lot of talent last year, and they weren't able to replace it. Sometimes that's the way it goes when you when you have to reload a. a your entire production like that you're just kind of gambling on a lot of unproven talent and sometimes it doesn't work out so i think that's that's just the case for them fair enough so as again as i kind of summarize the pack 12 here you've got that top tier oregon and arizona i would uh, oregon i think has joined that conversation as far as the top two teams in the conference and then as I look at the rest of this conference, you know, we can uh, briefly kind of go through the top, uh, the the table here, uh, as those Brits would call it. Uh, we've got Oregon <laughs> top 13 and 3, 5 and 0 in conference. Great season thus far. Great wins. Arizona State, I think they'll come back down to earth. They're 
four and one right now, but they're ten and six on the season. Just some inconsistent play there. Stanford, I don't expect them to be at number three for long. They're four and two right now, but nine and seven overall. I, I just don't trust them to be there. Arizona will climb back up, and you know, whether it's number one or number two, that's where they belong. Utah, they're a solid team. They're always a tough out, a tough place to play at. They're nine and zero on the season at home, so a tough place to go on the road. And they could be, I'd say they're middle of the road. They're about where they should be. Washington State and Colorado are the other two teams that I think could be in the conversation, at least to vie for a bubble spot. And I got to brag about my kooks here for a little bit. I mean, especially against Arizona, that last game we were in, uh, we looking at the, the players we've had this season, I'm surprised by, say, Jalen Wells, Miles Rice, who, by the way, is a freshman point guard. He had 18 points, five assists, four rebounds on the night, which just means that he won't be here uh, next year. That's just the way it goes. Let's be real. <laughs> He's going to transfer out. And then Isaac Jones, what a stud and what a pickup from the University of Idaho, eight miles away. He transferred over, and he had 24 and 13 against Arizona. He could be a guy that's, you know, he's a senior right now. He he took the long route to get where he's at now playing Pac-12 basketball. Uh, starting out, I believe, at the community college level or the JC level, and now he's wound all the way up in Pullman. So, great story there. And he is not the biggest. I think he's 6'9 as a center, but he's able to uh, take guys off the dribble that are maybe bigger than him. He's got some good ball handling, a good jumper, and some nice post moves down low, which is what got him that point total against some some of the bigs uh, that Arizona possesses. So, anyways, there's my ramble about Washington State. But anyway, I, I'm, I'm impressed with the Cougs. Uh, as far as the Pac-12 in general, I think we'll probably get two or three bids, if I had to guess, into the into the tournament. And then maybe a fourth as kind of a bubble team. So, that's just my, my take for the Pac-12 as a whole. So, you've heard from the ACC and the Pac-12, but now, Garrett, let's be real. The SEC and the Big 12 are probably the top two conferences with the Big 10 and the Big East probably right in that conversation as well. Yeah, to me, I think that the best conference so far this year has been the Big 12. They're just so deep. They've got elite talent at the top, Houston, Kansas, Baylor. Uh, but then even you know beyond that, you got Oklahoma, TCU, uh, Texas Tech has been really solid this year as well. I mean, they're 14 and two. Um, they're a little bit unproven. The 14 and two records really impressive, but they just haven't played many great teams yet. They got a good win at Texas to start conference play. Uh, but their non-conference schedule is very, very weak. Um, best team they played this, uh, this year was Villanova and they lost by 16 to them. So, uh, you know, it's going to be much more difficult going into conference play. Um, the big 12 is just such a rough gauntlet. Um, every atmosphere is, is hostile. Um, they have great fan and crowd support in the big 12. So yeah, interesting to see how they, they, they fare now that they've got, uh, you know, a big 12 opponent every night. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, you look at teams like Kansas and Baylor, I think those are elite teams at the top. They got, they have the depth and, um, yeah, I think that they're probably the best team right now. Them, the Big Ten, are going to be vying for the most spots in the tournament. Probably, um, I would give Big Twelve the edge. I am—I've uh, said it before. I 
always think the Big Ten is overrated uh, per usual. And um, yeah, I don't think this year's too different. Uh, Purdue, they're great, you know, regular season team. Uh, I, I'm not going to pick them to go far in the tournament. I think, and this is, and I, you know, I, I thought this before last year's tournament mm-hmm. too. Not just saying this because they got beat by 16 last year. Sure. I just yeah. don't think that. I think they're so prone to to being upset, and yeah, I mean, you know, they just lost to Nebraska by 16 points. Um, I don't know. They're they're a solid team. They'll have a good record at the end of the year. They'll get a top two seed. Um. But I just think that the the Big Ten's not nearly as deep as the Big Twelve is, and I think some of the teams at the top I don't think are as good. Like I, I and you know, come tournament time, I would I would rather put my money on a team like Kansas than I would a team like Purdue or Wisconsin. So yeah, I, I think the Big Twelve has so far proven to be the best conference this year. Big Twelve, I like it. And you seeing as you you brought up the Big Twelve, I got to dive into the SEC a little bit here. And just looking at the season thus far, you got Alabama and Auburn. So the state of Alabama uh, is clearly a new now a basketball state. Forget football; they've got both on lockdown here. As Alabama and Auburn are the top two currently in the SEC. Now looking at Alabama on the season, I don't see you know necessarily huge quality wins they've, they've played some close games like they've they i would suppose oregon i would put in that quality win category 99 to 91 that's all the way back in november of 20 25th though so early in the season uh they've lost a tight one to purdue they lost a close one to creighton they lost to arizona they lost to liberty no i'm kidding that, that was 101 to 56 <laughs> i just had to throw that one in there <laughs> yeah that was Ugly. Anyways, uh, really, we're going to see what Alabama is made of this week as this Saturday they they take on sixth-ranked Tennessee, and then Wednesday they play Auburn. And that one is at home for Alabama, so I think that'll that'll come into play here. But uh, I I think Alabama will probably sink back down a little bit. Not far. Mm -hmm. I still think they're a very talented team and program, but I don't know that they're number one. Auburn. I'm very impressed with Auburn. Tennessee, they, I, I knew coming in they were going to be legit. Georgia, I think they're a fake. They don't belong. Ole Miss and Kentucky. <laughs> now, though, that could be the interesting stuff right there. Ole Miss is 15-1. and one. What a season thus far. And they actually do have some quality wins in there. Uh, they did get smoked by Tennessee earlier this season, ninety to sixty-four. Not a good-looking win, but that but that does happen sometimes. Uh, they did beat NC State, who, by the way, has proven themselves that oh, actually, we're kind of a talented team. And they've also beaten Memphis, eighty to seventy-seven. That was December second. So, anyways, the, I, I, there are some quality wins on their slate. I don't know if I buy them late in the tournament or late in an an ncc tournament i don't know that i'd buy them there are they a tournament team i could maybe a very aggressive athletic team so the sec i don't think is the top conference i would agree that's the big 12 probably just because i don't think the sec has as much depth when you look at the big 12 i mean Mm -hmm. you've got a lot of teams in there that you could say oh yeah i could see them winning the or challenging for the big 12 or being a one seed, or being a, a two seed. Uh, SEC, may, they have some fantastic teams that you could argue, yeah, maybe they go to the Final Four. 
but just not quite as many. Kentucky, you know, they're another team, very young, but incredibly talented. And Coach Calipari's got to be excited about this crop of players. They did drop one to Texas A&M, which kind of shocks me. But again, just the nature of college basketball in this these days. Uh, they also lost one to uh, UNC Wilmington, by the way, 80 to 73. So take that for what you will. But yeah, there's kind of the overall look for the SEC. You got Alabama number one, Auburn number two, Tennessee number three, Georgia number four currently, Ole Miss five, Kentucky six, and then everybody else. That's that's kind of how I look at that. Georgia's probably going to fall out of that, and then it's going to be that five-team race up top is how I would take a look at the SEC. Um, as far as a tier list, I don't know. Would you put the SEC maybe above the the Big Ten or the Big East? I think that putting them above the Big Ten is fair. I would I would take the SEC over the Big Ten. Um, I still like the Big 12 over the SEC. My main difference between those two is just a lot of the SEC teams, I think, aren't very. They didn't prove much in con- in non-conference play. Right. A lot of them had pretty easy schedules. Um, Kentucky went out and they played a lot of good teams. Um, but outside of that, a lot of it's just a lot of mediocre non-conference schedules. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I separate the Big Twelve and the SEC. But yeah, those those would be my top two. I'd put the SEC a tier below. Um, uh, may, I mean, you could maybe put those 1A, 1B. But yeah, I don't think the Big Ten is as good as the SEC. And mm. I would say, I would probably, I might would even put the, big, again, I'm a Big Ten hater here, but I would even maybe put the Big East over the Big Ten. Um, I, I like the Big East a lot. I think that at the top level, you look at teams like UConn, even Marquette, we talked about how they've been disappointing this year. I I, I like the talent that that, the big east has at the top more than i do the big 10 so right right um yeah i probably those would probably be my rankings is uh you know sec or big 12 sec big east big 10 seeing as we just brought up the big east you know one team that's in the big east that's looking fantastic at this point in time is number one yukon garrett could we be seeing a back-to-back run with the yukon huskies I mean, certainly anything can happen in the tournament. Um, I, I, they're having a great season so far. Um, you know, they've got good wins over Texas, UNC. Um, Tough loss to uh, only two Seton losses. Hall. Yeah, two. They've had two uh, two losses, but I mean, Seton Hall's thirteen and five, six and one in the conference. So mm-hmm. uh, it's they're no they're not a terrible team. I was at Seton Hall um, starting out starting off their conference play. So I'm not going to, and then their only other loss before that was a, a four point loss at Kansas. So, right. You know, I don't think that you know, they've probably got the best. If you're t- looking at your, you know, you're comparing losses among teams. They probably got the best resume there right. only two, And they were the pretty solid teams on the road. So, um, yeah, I mean, they've picked up, uh, they beat Creighton, uh, just tonight. Actually, I think that game just finished if I'm not. Yep. Mistaken. 62 to 48. Um, the final. Yeah, beat Creighton by 14. Creighton's a solid team. So, uh, yeah, they've got plenty of solid wins, and I think their, their resume is probably the best in the country. So, yeah, I think UConn, very deserving of that number one spot right now. Yeah, and again, you look at this roster. Just They've got ballers from both wings, the point guard. 
I mean, Alex uh, Caravan, 13 points, seven rebounds in tonight's win. 13 points, six boards from Cam Spencer, another good guard. Tristan Newton, 16 points, eight rebounds as well. So they can all rebound. Uh, and then and they've got the size to compete with the big big boys with Ola clinging down low. That's right. He only he only had six and five tonight, but he just clogs up that paint. And there's something to be said oh, of yeah. just having that size down low to be able to guard the other team. There's a lot of bigs in this in, in this year's looking at the March Madness. There's going to be a lot of bigs represented in this league that are fantastic NBA prospects. So to be able to have a guy like Klingon who he may he may not have come into his own offensively just yet, but his defense and his presence down there is going to be huge. So uh like you said, it's big to have Klingon literally in the paint. Right, right, right. And he's been injured the uh, so this was his first game back in uh almost a month. So um you know they've been missing him and still winning games. And still, so 15 I think he's just gonna. Yeah, I think he's just gonna take them to a next level. And uh, Tristan Newton, I think, is a huge piece for them. He does it all. I mean, he's averaging fifteen points, seven boards, six assists. Um, yeah, they they just got talent all around. They're just a very well rounded team. So Seton Hall tournament team this year, I'm assuming, based on uh, how they've been playing. That uh, and they're a team that has kind of been. In the background, it, for whatever reason, when you think of Seton Hall, you do think of basketball. They do have that tradition to their name, uh, but they, but they've never, at least for as long as I can remember, never put these huge runs together. It, maybe this is the year the way they're playing. Um, yeah, you know, able to be, take down UConn and it, like you said, hanging with the best of the Big East. They took down Marquette. They've uh, taken. And by the way, they beat UConn by 15. So that wasn't a, that wasn't just a barely scrape by and win. That, that was a, a pretty dominating win. And they've held serve with a lot of the other teams within the Big East. So the, all that to say, folks, keep an eye on Seton Hall. You know, they did they did have some tough losses. Like uh, they did lose to Baylor by 18, but Baylor's, you know, fantastic team. They lost to USC early in the season, 71-63, but... Those early season games, you never know, honestly, what you're going to get as the teams are still trying to yeah. get a feel for each other and put it up, put it all together on the court. But Seton Hall, keep an eye out. I'll just say that. Um, let's see. Garrett is uh, here's here's a question. We talked about the SEC. We talked about the Big Ten, Big Twelve, Big East, top conferences. But is the Mountain West? The most underrated conference. See, according to ESPN, there's there could be more bids than the ACC and Pac-12 right now. There are six teams: Utah State, Colorado State, San Diego State, New Mexico, Nevada, Boise State in the top 45 of the net rankings, and the ACC has four. Pac-12 only has two. I mean, potentially. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got solid teams. the The ACC's been having a pretty rough go of things the last few years. They're not getting nearly as much respect as they used to. Um, I think they're a better conference than they get credit for. I'm a little biased, though, as an NC State fan. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, I mean, the, the Mountain West hater. is certainly, um, certainly a solid conference. Um, I don't know how they would be rated, um, but yeah, I mean, if they can get five teams in, that's, that's really impressive for uh, – 
or where they've been. I mean, you look at a team like, uh, like you mentioned, I mean, Utah State, they're 16 and two. Um, I just don't know, you know, looking at their non conference, they haven't really proved it against anyone that I would be like, man, okay, this is a legit team. Right. Um, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't know what's a, I don't know of a significant win they've got on their resume. They beat Colorado State, who was ranked 13th at the time. Man. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're 14 and three, but again, you look at them. I mean, Colorado State beat Creighton earlier this year by 21. So, yeah. yeah. Um, don't sleep on those. Yeah. Rams. I think that this, it's not, they don't have the national respect. Like you said, they're a bit underrated. Um, I think that's just going to be something that, you know, they're going to have to prove come tournament time. Um, if they can get five teams in, uh, those teams are going to have to prove that they're not a, a, it's not a fluke, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of teams that, uh, great records, you've got, you know, 16 and two Utah state, 14 and three Colorado state, 15 and three New Mexico's. I mean, yeah, a lot of solid 15 and two Nevada. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they're they're playing great basketball. You can say what they want about the competition, but they're winning games, so that's what matters. So, right, um, yeah, they can get five teams in. That'd be really impressive. And here's what I'll say. You know, I was making fun of Colorado State earlier, but here's what I'll say about teams that are more of this tier list. They're very talented, but they are underappreciated is that you've got a bunch of guys who have been playing college basketball for a long time. You know, there maybe over maybe some overlooked people who, you know, maybe not NBA talent, but they're four-year, five-year guys who've been playing college basketball for a long time and they've been playing potentially with the same group of guys for a long time when they come to a, a program of, you know, let's say a Wyoming or New Mexico, et cetera. All that to say is uh, teams like that can be a really tough out, especially in this day and age with trans the transfer portal with NIL players leaving left and right. Co- chemistry is incredibly important, especially in basketball. And uh, when you look at, you know, these teams who, maybe a bit don't have as much flashy talent as some of these other conferences we've been talking about when it comes tournament time, they've got the experience, the veteran leadership, the know-how, the moxie to be able to compete with some of those big dogs come that time. And uh, so all that to say, just keep an eye out on, uh, out on these teams as we approach uh, the tournament. Now, what will probably happen, I already see some of it on some of these teams' schedules, is they'll cannibalize each other, like New Mexico. They lost to UNLV 83-73. to They lost to Colorado State, but then they beat San Diego State, You know, a team that's battling for those top five positions. So they're probably going to cannibalize each other and knock their you know, competitors down a peg or two as we approach the tournament. So maybe they don't get that five in, as the article was mentioning. But still, hats off to the Mountain West. Uh, I mean, San Diego State last year, they, they went all the way to the championship game against UConn, and they they held their own for, I, obviously, not the most exciting championship game I can remember. But there was a point there where they cut it to within eight in the final five minutes, and they they had a great defensive team, and they made that run. So hats off to the Mountain West is what I'll say. Um, Garrett, that's kind of all I've got at the moment with college basketball. 
Uh, is there anything we need to add to before we hit the road? Now that I can think of, I think we touched on uh, touched on the the big topics. Tried to hit up all the the big conferences, the major players. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's about everything. Yeah, and uh, I, mean, I mean college basketballs college basketball is huge. I'm sure there's a few things we missed, but uh, I think that's a good uh, good start for getting kicking off the conference play, getting back into the swing of things with basketball. Um, yeah, I think we we covered all the big stuff. Yeah, yeah, and just uh, keeping an eye on what's happening in college basketball at the moment. We've got uh, UConn obviously beat Creighton today, sixty-two to forty-eight. Kentucky takes down Mississippi State, ninety to seventy-seven. LSU, I was just done bragging about Ole Miss. LSU beats Ole Miss, eighty-nine to eighty. See, upsets happen, folks. Oklahoma mm. ranked fifteenth. They're beating West Virginia, forty-six to thirty-four. Auburn is in a close one with Vanderbilt, 18-16, but plenty of time left. Texas Tech and Houston, 10-9 to in the first half. North Carolina dominating Louisville, as they <laughs> as they should. And then uh, also tonight, Arizona and USC. And again, these were all top 25 uh, games with a top 25 team in them at least. And uh, Houston and Texas Tech, a battle of two top 25 teams. So keep an eye on that. But, uh, yep, game's happening left and right, folks. It's coming at you fast. And before we wrap up, again, just a reminder, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, on Amazon, on Google Podcasts. Although, Google Podcasts, I just got an email today that that's actually going away. So, uh, I'll I'll dig in a little bit more and let you all know what that means. But you can still find us. Uh, (laughs) Again, for my co-host, Derek Thigpen. I'm Garrison Hardy. Thanks so much for tuning in to Game Time with Garrison and Garrett, and we'll see you next time.